0: Oh, we've come to the end of our series of meetings, and on behalf of my family, I just want to say how much we have enjoyed and appreciate the opportunity to come here and spend time with you all this week. The invitation and the time we spent together has been greatly blessed, a beneficial, and a blessing to us. We appreciate the hospitality, the time we've had, and I really am uh, glad to have gotten to know your congregation better and the folks in it. I think you guys are, are doing a great job in many ways. I appreciate the service uh, that I've seen this week, the singing, the fellowship. It's really good, and I commend you for it. I believe that there's a bright future ahead for this congregation. and So I really appreciate all that you do here. This evening, we're going to continue our study over Old Testament characters who teach us New Testament principles. You know... I really uh, value the time that we get to spend going and traveling different places and seeing congregations of people sometimes that we don't always get to see. Sometimes whenever we do that, I go to a place and, that I haven't been in a few years, and somebody is missing. Somebody's not in the crowd or not at the church assembly. And I might ask, well, where's so-and-so? And someone might say, well, they've stopped coming. They've they quit going to church anymore, and they've... They've gone to the world and they've started living a godly, ungodly life. And that's sad, you know, when we see that from time to time. It happens that people who are once strong in their faith and close to God and close to other Christians turn their back on God and turn away from the church and turn to the world. I want you to think about your situation and your relationship that you have with one another, your relationship that you have with God. You know, the people who go away and do that probably never would have imagined that they would do that at one point. At one point, they're probably very strong and committed. But then they get caught up in the cares of the world or there's some kind of uh, problem in their life or, or something happens and they turn away and they go back to the world and they, and they leave. Each and every one of us needs to make a resolution that that's not going to happen to us. I don't want that to happen to me and I don't want that to happen to you either. Make a decision that you're going to, no matter what you face in life, remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to Christ and remain a part of His church and not be carried away by things of this world and by distractions and difficulties in life that will turn you away from God. Have you made that decision? Have you thought about that in your life? Is that a resolution that you have to stick with God and endure for the rest of your life? And if you haven't made that decision, why not? Let's do that. Let's make the decision that we're going to continue serving God for all of our lives. I want to talk tonight about Caleb. Caleb was an Old Testament character, and when we study the life of Caleb, I think we're going to learn a whole lot about what it means to endure and what it means to remain faithful to God, even in challenging times of life, and then the blessing that comes from finally receiving the fruition of a promise. And that's going to teach us a lot about our Christian walk and our ability to maintain our relationship with God and grow in that way and endure no matter what we face in life. Caleb was the son of Jephunneh, a man who lived around the time of Moses, around 1400 to 1450 B.C. He was one of the 12 spies that were sent into the land of Canaan to spy out the land before the children were to go into the promised land. And so they went, they spied out the land, they stayed there for 40 days, and they came back and they gave their report. Now when... Caleb and Joshua and the other spies came back and gave the report to Moses and to the people. The spies said that they found the land to be a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And there was was a very bountiful land that had been promised to the children of Israel after they escaped Egyptian bondage. They stayed there and, and they talked about how fruitful the land was. And then they talked about the inhabitants of the land. And they said that they were strong. They said that there were giants in the land. They said that there were walled cities and they said it was going to be difficult to overtake them. It was going to be difficult to take that land. And the people, the, the spies, 10 of them said that they weren't going to be able to do it. But Caleb, on the other hand, said in Numbers 13, verses 30 through 32, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So the spies gave their report, and Caleb says, You know what? Let's go. Let's go right now. Let's go get the land. God is with us. We're well able to overcome it. But the ten spies said, we're not able to go up against them. We're going we're gonna to get slaughtered. The people are stronger than us. Let's not go do that. And the people of Israel believed in the ten spies instead of Joshua and Caleb. They cried out and they complained. They said, it would have been better for us to live as slaves in Egypt than for us to die in this wilderness by the inhabitants of the promised land. And they considered rebelling against Moses and stoning him and making a new leader for them. They didn't trust in God, that God would be with them, and God would help them conquer whatever was in the land because God had promised them that land. And then God appeared to Moses, and God spoke to Moses and talked to him for a while. And eventually, God told the people that because of their rebelliousness and their unbelief that they were going to have to wander for 40 years in the desert. And everybody from the age of 20 and up, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, would die in the desert, because of their unbelief, and everyone under the age of twenty, and Joshua and Caleb would be survive this forty year trek through the desert and be able to enter the promised land. But the rest of them would die in the wilderness. And so that happened. For forty years they wandered in the wilderness. And we fast forward in the story. Forty five years, a lot had happened in that time. There had been rebellions, and there had been deaths, and there had been snakes, and all sorts of things. And then. They finally got to the promised land, and Joshua started divvying out the land. And Caleb comes to Joshua, and we'll see what he says in Joshua chapter fourteen, verses six through fourteen. It's not going to be on the board. You can turn along with me if you like. Joshua chapter fourteen, and we'll start in verse six. It says, "Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him." You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God." And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, eighty-five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Yet as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Three times in there, notice he says that he wholly or completely followed God. And Joshua, or Caleb went to Joshua... And said, you know that 45 years ago, when I was 40, we went to spy out the land. And Moses promised me that I would be able to get the land that we went on. And I remained faithful to God for those 45 years. Now I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was back then. Let me go get my land. Give me the land that I was promised. And Joshua did. He allowed him to have Hebron. And that's Caleb received the fruition of his promise. Caleb is a great example to us of what it means to endure. Think about the attitude that Caleb had at the beginning. He saw the land and he saw that it was good and he trusted that God would be with him and he said, let's go get it. Let's get the land. God is with us. We're well able to overcome the people in the land. He wanted his land when he was 40 years old and yet not because of him, but because the people rebelled against God, he was forced to go with them and wait and wander in the wilderness for 40 years and saw death, saw sorrow, saw sin and rebellion and snakes and all sorts of things. An awful time. All the people of his generation, everyone from 20 and up except for Joshua, died in the wilderness. And still, the Bible says that he wholly, he completely followed God. And now he's 85 years old and he wants his land. And he finally receives the fruition of the promise. You know, we go through life, and sometimes we might feel a little bit like Caleb, like this life is not always what we might expect. There's difficulties, there's trials, there's blessings and there's good things, but there's a lot of sin and there's a lot of sorrow and there's a lot of death and sickness and dying in this world. And yet, when we see and witness that and experience that in our life, it should invoke in us a desire and a longing for our promised land, a land far greater than the land of Canaan, a home with God forever in heaven. We must endure the trials of this life, never giving up, never getting caught up in the cares of this world, and we eventually will also receive the fruition of our promise. Endurance means that we don't give up. We keep on remaining faithful to God no matter what we face in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't waver. Don't be immovable. Don't be shaken. Don't be caught up in the things of this world, but be steadfast. Make a resolution and a decision that no matter what happens in life, whether there are ups and downs and anything in between, whether we find life difficult, or there will be temptations, or there'll be tribulations, or there'll be trials. And let me tell you, there will be all three. Whether there are good times, whether there are bad times, whether there's life, whether there's death, we're not going to waver in our devotion to God and our endurance, remaining faithful to Him, holy and completely serving God, just like Caleb did. And just like Jesus did. Jesus Himself, is our perfect example of endurance. He lived a life completely in service to His Father. And even when He was separated from His Father on the cross, like we talked about this morning, He still fulfilled the will of God and completed His mission. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be weary and faint, discouraged in your souls. Jesus endured so much for us. He lived 33 years serving God, seeing sin, seeing difficulty, seeing trouble and trials, and enduring those Himself, He said at one point, I don't have a place to lay my head. And then he went to the cross and endured the shame, endured the difficulty, endured the separation from God for our sins because he had none and completed his mission, serving God until the end of his life. Then he was buried and was resurrected. Now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured and completely followed God. What a great example to us. We must remain faithful to God at all times in our life, whether we have ups or downs, no matter what happens. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what we face in life, no matter what we do, Ups or downs, we can endure it because Jesus is on our side. Is that our attitude? Is that our mindset? Do we remember that whenever we go through difficult times in life, when we lose our job, when we lose a family member, when we have chronic illness, when we have problems in our families, problems in our church? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The good times and the bad we remain faithful to Him. And if God is not our number one priority in our life. It can be so easy when these bad and difficult times come to give up on serving him and turn our back on him. It would have been easy for Caleb to do the same thing, I think, at some point during those 45 years, but he didn't. He remained faithful to God. Think about Job. Job's wife said, you're going to keep enduring this? Look what God has done to you. Just curse God and die. His own wife trying to encourage him to turn his back on God. Sometimes we have that attitude, or we might have that attitude, or be tempted to do so, to turn away from God. But don't let that happen to you. Make a resolution and a decision that you're going to remain steadfast and endure no matter what life brings your way. Don't get caught up in the things of this world, another thing that can turn us away from God worldliness and sin and temptations. It can happen to anybody. We must not think that we're immune to this. We talked about Solomon on Thursday night. The Bible says he was the wisest person. He was the wisest person, of course, other than Jesus, who walked the earth, and yet his wives turned away his heart to serve these false gods. It can happen to Solomon, and it can happen to us if we're not careful, if we don't remain rooted in God and use the tools that God has given us and the blessings he has given us to help us remain steadfast and rely on Christ to strengthen us in the difficult times. Do not think that we're immune to it. We must be vigilant. We must be sober because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Do not become complacent. Stand up for Christ and stand up against the temptations of this world let god become the number 1 priority in your life in your heart in your mind your soul your strength everything that you are everything you have learn patience and endurance the bible tells us we need to add to our faith virtue knowledge temperance patience godliness brotherly kindness charity And one of the ways that we can learn patience and endurance in this life is to take inspiration from people in the Bible who endured so much, probably much worse than we're ever going to experience in this life, and yet remain faithful. People like Caleb, who patiently waited and endured and finally received his peace and his reward. James 5, verses 10-11 tells us this principle. It says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure, You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job lost everything, basically, and he remained faithful to God. He never completely turned his back on God, and in the end, God blessed him, and and he was compassionate, and he had mercy upon him. We must endure as well. And we can look at the example of people like Caleb, people like Job, and, of course, Jesus himself as our perfect example to help us remain steadfast. You know, I wonder sometimes what Caleb was thinking when he he was ready immediately to go into that land and to take it and, and, and be ready to receive the fruition of his promise, and yet he had to wait 45 years and he saw these people dying and he saw death and destruction. What was he thinking? You know, the Bible doesn't really say, but... I think we get a clue when we look at what he said there in Judges. He said, I I wholly follow God. God And Moses promised me that I'd receive this land. Now give me this mountain. Give me the land that I've been promised. I think that's what sustained him. I think that's what encouraged him and helped him and spurred him on during the difficult time to say, someday I'm going to get that land that land that flows with milk and honey, the grapes that two men have to carry, the the cluster of grapes between them. What a good and fruitful land. And God has promised it, and I don't care how big the giants are because God is with me. And God is so much bigger than any of them. We can take it and we'll receive that land. I'm going to get my land. People are dying. I'm going to get my land. I'm going to endure their sorrow and pain. I'm going to endure. I'm going to keep on serving God. Someday we're going to receive the promise. What a great example to us. See, we're seeking something that's far greater than that fruitful land in Canaan. We're seeking a heavenly country where we will be with God for all eternity. And when we go through sorrow and we go through pain and we go through sadness, what can help us endure? Looking toward our reward, looking for our promise, looking for that land that we seek You know, those people, Abraham and his family, and they came out of Ur of Chaldees and they could have said, well, let's just go back there. I don't want to be a vagabond. I don't want to wander and go to this land that's so far away that God has called me to go to and become a stranger and pilgrim to the earth and not own anything but a cave. But that wasn't really their goal, was it? Their goal wasn't Canaan. Their goal wasn't some land on earth. Their ultimate goal was a heavenly country. And God prepared a city for them, and that's what they sought, and that's why they endured. That's why they obeyed God, is they were looking for something greater than anything this life has to offer. Let that be what sustains you and me to not give up, to endure at all times, looking toward our reward, looking toward heaven, our city, a heavenly country, far greater than anything we might be able to enjoy in this life. The Bible tells us that we ought to have hope in God, hope in heaven, hope in eternity, hope in our eternal life. Biblical hope means that we earnestly desire, we eagerly anticipate, we wait with joy for the fruition of the promise. Read what the Bible says about this hope in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13-20. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, willing, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, the promise and the oath, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. When God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. You can believe it. What has God promised us? As Christians, He's promised us eternal life. That we'll be with Him forever. We have hope. Eager, anticipation, earnest, longing for the fruition of that promise. Do you have that kind of hope? Do you have that kind of eager anticipation? Are you looking toward your reward? And are you letting that reward sustain you? It says the hope that we can have in Christ should be an anchor to our soul both sure and steadfast. That means it's staying in place and it ain't going to go anywhere. Is that the case for you in your life? Are you letting the hope that we have in God help you remain rooted and ground in Him? That you're not going to let the storms of life turn you away from Him because you have a better life waiting for you in the next. Look toward your reward to help you remain faithful to God. As we close this evening, I encourage you to keep on serving God. Anticipate and focus on your reward and on God's promise. Don't be too focused on the things of this life, but look up to your heavenly kingdom. Look up to your heavenly reward and let that sustain you. Maybe you believe this evening that your devotion to God has wavered and you've struggled to endure. We can encourage you. We can pray with you and for you. We can help you take advantage of the opportunity to have your brethren support you and help you in your Christian walk. That's a great blessing. That's a great opportunity. If you're not a Christian, though, this, this evening, I want you to think about Caleb for a little bit. We want to talk to you one last time about the opportunity that God has blessed you with, the opportunity to become a child of God and have that hope of heaven in your future. Caleb waited 45 years wandering in the desert of sorrow and pain. In a similar way, Jesus lived 33 years in a place of sin and darkness and death. He endured the difficulties of life and He finally went to the cross enduring separation from God and an awful death on the cross for our sins, not for His because He had none. What do you think sustained Him to help Him endure through life? He had been in heaven with God he wanted to go back. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, read this again. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did he do it? For the joy that was set before him. But I want you to think for just a moment about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. Jesus had been in heaven. He had been with God. He was already there before He came to live as a man. And Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knows the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. Jesus didn't have to ever leave heaven. Jesus didn't have to come and and provide us that mercy. God would have been completely just to allow us to die in our sins. And yet God is loving and God is merciful and Jesus was willing to fulfill the will of His Father, and come and be that sacrifice for us. And so, why did He leave? Because He loved us. He could have enjoyed it the entire time without ever having to suffer, without ever having to become a man and live the life and die on the cross. But He wanted to go back. But not only that, I believe that it's obvious that He didn't just want to enjoy being with God because He could have done that the entire time and never come, but he wanted to bring us with him. He loved you and he loved me and he wanted you to be in there with him, to be in heaven with him. That's why he left. That's why he came to the earth. That's why he suffered all that and endured all that so that we might also be able to share in the glory of God. And that's part of the joy that he had. The hope that through his sacrifice we can be part of his family. What a great thing God has done for you. What a great thing Jesus endured for you. If you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God, don't turn your back on that. Don't reject that gift that God has offered you. He died for your sins. Be willing to turn and live your life to follow him so that you can also enjoy that home in heaven with him. We talked this morning about the steps that are necessary to become a child of God. If you've heard the gospel message of Jesus' death for our sins, his burial, his resurrection, how he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, if you're willing to put your faith and trust in him, you believe in him, you're willing to repent and turn live your life following God instead of yourself, instead of sin. If you're willing to confess your belief in Christ with your mouth, you're willing to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins rising to walk in newness of life, obeying a form or pattern of the doctrine of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection by dying your old man to sin, being buried in the water of the grave of baptism, rising to walk in newness of life, you can have that same hope. You can accept the gift that God freely offers you. And you can accept the joy that Christ wanted you to have and that He was willing to endure so much for, for you so that you might obtain Don't turn your back on it. Don't reject the free gift that God offers. Become a child of God today. We can help you do that. So we offer that invitation. If you wish the prayers of the church, you want to become a child of God, in turn, live your life following Him. Let us help you. Come forward as we stand and sing.